Hey everyone, you're listening to an Acts Church sermon. If you have not heard of us before, you can check us out at www.axcamus.org or come check us out on a Sunday. All right, here is the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. Good morning. <laughs> I'm Scott Robertson. I'm one of the elders here at Acts Church. Uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to be here today, uh, be here and, and be able to, to, to speak with you. Um, it, it, was, it was kind of interesting because Pastor David had asked me to, to speak. And as an elder, you know, that's one of our roles is to, to teach. Um, so I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then he told me the topic. And he said, I want you to speak about work. And I laughed. <laughs> and he laughed because he couldn't keep a straight face, right? Um, I, had, I had taken a, a job, a new job, a couple years ago, and it, it's, it's rather intense. It's, it's, it's a great deal of work. I know a lot of us work a lot of hours, and I work kind of crazy hours. It's uh, almost to the point of being ridiculous. Um, starting about, about seven, leaving between five and six, and then I've got calls with our Bangalore teams and our Singapore teams in the evenings, so it's another couple hours, um, just in time to be exhausted and, and go to bed and be up and be at work by seven the next morning again. And, and that was kind of my life, right? It just kind of is my life. <laughs> is, is that a life? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that. So um, it, I, I think he did it quite on purpose, that sly guy, um, to teach me to study the Bible and to say, what matters? What's important? What is it that gives us joy and satisfaction? Am I living a life that's joyful? Yeah, well, uh, maybe not so much. And uh, it, it's, it's time for some reflection. So um, let's, we got this slide up. So, so this is uh, an image of Sisyphus, right? If you guys are familiar with the Greek mythology, King Sisyphus was damned into Hades to push a boulder up a hill for all eternity. But he could never quite get there, right? He would push and push and push and toil and struggle and labor, right? We're going to talk all about those things. And as he got to the top, boulder rolls right back down. He has to start all over again. It's the very picture of futility, the very picture of that endless toil with no joy and no satisfaction. Right? And, and, and that kind of keys into uh, <laughs> when you look at, Bible, at the Bible and work in the Bible and what it says about work. Um, so we'll go through it in great detail. It'll be fun, kind of. But um, the other thing that I learned that I didn't know was why he was punished. Do you guys know why King Sisyphus had that, that punishment? Interactive, you can participate. Um, it, he had that punishment because he felt that he, his cleverness exceeded that of Zeus, you know, the, 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 the god of gods of, of Greek mythology, right? That he, he exceeded Zeus. It was his pride that caused him to have that punishment. And that ties in as well. So let's look at what is work. Um, and I can't see the slide. Is that? There it is. Is my clicker not working? I'm sorry. But 
That, that's awesome. So the first thing I did was I Googled it, right? What do you do? You look up Google. If Google ever changes our definitions, I'm, 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 I'm lost, right? Uh, the entire society will change, and I won't know it. So looked up, and I checked it with, with Merriam-Webster. Of course, I, I don't have a, a Merriam-Webster dictionary anymore. I had to look that up online, too. But I, I looked it up, and, and the definition was very reasonable, right? It's, it's effort. It's some activity to produce some result. Well, that makes perfect sense. But then you look at the synonyms that they list right under it. And what are the synonyms? Toil, <laughs> drudgery, slog. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. I like to wake up every single morning to toil, drudgery, and slog. That's what gets me going every day. But it, that's kind of how I feel a lot of days, right? I feel like King Sisyphus, rolling that stupid boulder up every single day just to see it come back down and never really get there. That's not good. That's our current society's definition, and it comes from way, way back. So I was like, okay, what is the ancient Hebrew word? Let's try and tie this into the Bible some way. And the Hebrew word, right, uh, you guys get to learn a Hebrew word, avodah. Avodah is actually three English words all rolled into one. It's work, it's effort, right? It's worship, and it's service. That's what the ancient Hebrews believed work was, a form of worship and service that you do. Now that ties much more closely to the biblical world of, of work. And I still don't think this is working. I'll, I'm just going to let you guys do it. Thank you. <laughs> That's their work. So, um, Christian work. If, if you focus on what the Bible says uh, Christian work is, right? So, it's a person's actions and deeds. And that work should reflect our, in, our internal self. It should reflect what our beliefs are. And as a Christian, what do we believe? We believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. That should be the core of our beliefs. So what we do, our actions and our deeds, need to reflect that, right? Everything we say and everything that we do should be a reflection of our belief, our firm conviction in God and Jesus Christ as Savior. That's what people should see in us and what we say and what we do. That is what our work should be. Um, and as we talk about work and works and things, I also want to be very clear right up front, we're not saved by works. Our works are a reflection of what does save us, right? Of our faith in Jesus Christ. And James was very clear about that. You know, you can show me your works, but you can see my faith through my works. That's what our work should be. Um, we'll go to the next one. And then we'll go back to the Old Testament, right? And see, what was work? What was work before the fall? Well, before the fall, our very first thing in Genesis 1-2, we've got God. God's work. God's creative work is work in creation. God created the heavens and the earth, right? And that work is, is, is just amazing. It, it amazes us all the time, every day, right? If you think about it, and the complexity and the detail and the creativeness of the entire universe, all the galaxies and stars, they all have to be exactly where they are for anything to work 
for us to, to be here today, for this planet to sustain life. And you know, throughout the Bible, it tells us you know, this planet is God's crown jewel. This is where he put his image and his likeness. Everything else revolves around us, around what God did for us to create and sustain life here. And you know, we used to think that the cell was the most complex thing. Not complex, I'm sorry, just the opposite. We thought it was the simplest building block, right? All life is built of cells. And then we got microscopes, and we said, oh, by golly, there's something inside there. And we thought, it's got to be simpler, right? Because everything builds and gets more complex. And we found out that it gets more and more complex the smaller that you go. God, in his amazing and infinite creativity and attention to detail and focus and involvement, down inside that cell, down inside at the molecular level, there's these little machines that are so complex, there's no simple building block. It doesn't exist. Evolution, yeah, things can change from generation to generation, but you don't get a human from an amoeba. It just doesn't happen, I'm sorry. It, the complexity, the DNA, the little micro-machines that unzip it and rezip it and reform it, it's, God's creative work is amazing. And then God created man, right? And he said, my image and my likeness. Our work should be that same type of work. Our work should be creative. Our work should be a reflection of God. He gives us the ability to work and to, to be, it should be joyful, it should be productive, and it should be a reflection of Almighty God. Every, every day, every, every time that we work, we should be working to the best of our ability. God didn't go halfway in his creation. He didn't get lazy. He didn't like, lose focus. He didn't say, ah, oh, that's enough for, 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 for now. He did it to completion. If you start something, finish it. Our saying at work right now, because <laughs> we have this big work in progress backlog, right? Stop starting and start finishing. Right? That's good advice, I think, for, for, for all of us. Work diligently, work with focus, work to the best of your ability, and work to completion. That's what God did in his six days. Then he rested. Six days of work, a day of rest, the Sabbath. Now, this was kind of funny. Last night, I go, hey, I got my slides done. Yay, hooray. I got done before I'm up here talking. And say, so my beautiful and wonderful wife, Melanie, Mel, would you please look at this and see if I got it right? And she looked at this slide, and I was talking about it and the Sabbath and to keep it holy and how important it is. And she looked at me and she said, do you believe that? She, she, she knows me really, really well, right? <laughs> and she asked me that because I don't practice it. I work all the time. I work weekends, I work nights, I work mornings, I, I work constantly. And it's not just work at work, I do way too much of that. And then I'm working at home, and I'm working with this and that and the other thing, I'm trying to get stuff done, and oh, you should call somebody to, to, to do that for us. Your time's too valuable. Call somebody? <laughs> Call somebody? Oh man, 
I can do this. And she laughs, and I break it, and then I got to go fix it worse. Right. Yeah, that's my life. The Sabbath. God rested, and he tells us to rest. And he tells us it's important. He tells us we need to rest for our own health, for our mental health, for our physical health, to be creative. You can't be creative if you run your batteries down and you've got nothing to draw from. You can't focus. You can't be productive. And it happens to me. It happens to my interaction with my family, my interaction with my boss, with those who work for me. It's, it's wrong. And I know that. And I have to change. So if you've got that same struggle, you need to change too. And it was also interesting because when you look through the Bible, right, lots of stuff happens to, to, to mankind. And you know, the, the Israelites, they, get, they, they go to Egypt and everything's great. They actually save Egypt from the, the, the seven years famine. They save the nations all around Egypt. It's a great blessing. And then they're prosperous. And the new Pharaoh comes in and makes them slaves. And now they suffer. And you don't want to talk about futility and toil, and drudgery, that was their life of slavery all the time. It was demonic. It was an attack against God's people. And they suffered and they died working all the time. And they cried out. And God heard them, and God redeemed them, and took them out of, Israel, out of Egypt, right? And that was awesome. And then he gave them the Levitical law. And if you read through the Levitical law, and yeah, I, I know, or I've read through it, yes. It's not a lot of fun reading through that stuff, but there's a purpose to it. And he reinforces the Sabbath, not just for them. He reinforces the Sabbath and says, you and your slaves, who you will treat with respect, and your animals, and the land, all have to respect the Sabbath. They need rest in order to produce, in order to be fruitful, in order to be able to reflect glory upon God. That Sabbath is important, and I have to respect it for my benefit and my health, and you have to respect it for your benefit and your health in the end so that we can reflect God's glory. Don't forget the Sabbath. All right, and I'm off the Sabbath. Um, work after the fall. So, no, I'm sorry, work before the fall. <laughs> we'll get to after the fall. Um, we've got what God commanded mankind, Adam and Eve, right? They were charged to go out into the earth, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all the animals of the earth. We were charged with caring for God's creation. His crown jewel. We're the caretakers. He entrusts his entire creation to us. That's a significant responsibility. That's what we were charged to do. Now, he provided for us 100%. We didn't have to worry or work for food or clothing, or, or anything like that. It was a perfect environment, perfectly comfortable, too hot, too cold. It was all good. 
Not, oh, it's too humid, it's too dry, it's a dry heat, it's okay. No, it's all good. Now, if you don't have to work to provide for yourself, all you have to do is work for God's creation, to glorify God. It's, it's satisfying, it's fulfilling. You feel good about what you do every day. Now it's joyful. It's a form of worship and reflection of God. That was awesome. That didn't last very long because Satan came in and we fell. So work after the fall. Now we've got sin. Now we've got corruption. It redefined us and it redefined work, right? Now work is toil. Work is labor. Work is slodge, slog, and drudgery. Um, let me get a little verse here. Can't, you can't be a church without a verse, right? Verses are good. Um, in, in Genesis 3, 17, 19, the punishment. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Now we have to work hard to provide for ourselves. God's not just giving it to us freely. And, and of course, it's interesting, if, if you study a lot about God, you realize he didn't curse Adam. He didn't curse his image and likeness. That, that's wrong, Right? You don't curse the son's reflection on the father. He, the ground was cursed for his sake. That's the punishment. And Eve didn't fare any better. Um, in pain and labor, you should bring forth children. Yeah, that's labor. Yeah, I, I was there. That, that, that was rough. So that, that was rough on me, and I wasn't even doing it. Um, yeah, it's, it's not fun anymore. It's not a source of joy naturally. Sin entered the world, and with that came pride. Our eyes were open to sin. We are now susceptible to pride and jealousy. And what happens with that? That fell very quickly. You look at Adam and Eve, that their first son Cain, and then their second son Abel, right? We know what happened with Cain and Abel. Cain's pride came in. He knew what the offering was supposed to be. You know, it, the Bible doesn't spell it out, but if, if, if you start studying back, everything was set up for the offerings now as a result of sin. The different offerings at the different times, just like the, 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 the Hebrew feasts throughout the year, there are certain offerings that you do at certain times of the year. Cain knew what the offering was supposed to be. But in his pride... In his rebellion, he didn't give the offering he was supposed to. And he was warned, God warned him in his great love and grace. And in Cain's jealousy, he murdered his brother Abel. Pride came in, sin and corruption. Now you look through the line of Cain, and what happens? They, their focus is on themselves, in their work, in what they do. They did amazing things. Tremendous feats in agriculture, in metallurgy, right? But their focus was not on God when they did their work. Their focus was on themselves. And what did they produce? 
Are you guys f f f familiar with it, right? You say this all the time? <laughs> That's okay. Um, they produced instruments of death. Violence filled the earth. Filled it. The corruption. Satan was like, oh, I'm winning. No, I won't answer you again. I'm sorry. Um, that was embarrassing. I know. That's some video, too. That sucks. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so sin now corrupted everything. Violence filled the earth, and God was grieved. And he said, I've got to do something about this. My sin and my image and likeness are going throughout my creation and causing pain and suffering and death. That was not his intent. But luckily, Adam and Eve's third son, Seth, the line of Seth did focus on God. The line of Seth still honored God and glorified God. And through that line came Noah, who was perhaps the last righteous man on earth. And through him and his focus on God, he did great work, right? And he had faith in God. And he demonstrated his faith in his actions and his deeds. What did he do? Yes, he built the ark. And he built the ark, and it had never rained. Right? It had never rained up until that point. And God's like, build this big ship for this great thing, right? Oh, okay, God, that seems a little odd to me, but all right, I'll do it. And it took him a long time, and people laughed at him, and he's like, this is a crazy guy. And then it happened. The rains came. God saved mankind through that one righteous man who believed in God, and his actions and deeds reflected his faith in God. That was the work that Noah did and resulted in blessing. It resulted in life. Work that focuses on God, honors God, is a blessing, and is a source of life. That's the type of work that we have to do. That's what our work should reflect. Uh, so we have to do our part. We have to have faith and obey. Noah had faith. Noah obeyed. Um, Israel, the promised land, right? After they got out of slavery in Egypt, God's leading them to the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey, all good things. And they get there, and somebody's already there. There are giants in the land. Satan's not going to let it happen that easy, is he? Nope. It takes work. It takes faith. It takes obedience. And what did the Israelites do when they saw those giants? Did they have faith? No, they didn't. They doubted. They turned to themselves. They didn't turn to God. God brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. God brought them through the desert. They saw miracles every day. But they didn't have faith to go in and take the land and take on those giants. Pride and self-focus turn us away from God and to ourselves. And if you start leaning on yourself, you're not going to go too far. 
We can do all things through God who strengthens us. But we can't do anything, nothing of lasting value without God. God is our strength and our shield. God was going to give them everything. All they had to do was have faith and obey. Their actions and their deeds needed to reflect their belief in God, and they didn't do it. And they wandered the desert for 40 more years until that entire generation that had rejected their faith in God died. Only those two, Joshua, and Joshua's mean guy who just escaped me, that sucks to be up here and not remember something in the Bible, sorry about that. Those two that had faith and were trying to convince the Israelites to go into the land, they led them into the land, the next generation, like Star Trek, right? They went in, and they took on the giants, and they won. They were successful and successful and successful. Now, when you start reading through that and say, the one time that they all of a sudden weren't successful, what had happened? That's the story of Achan, right? They were not supposed to take anything from the people that they conquered. All that gold, all those animals, all those good things, none of it. It was tainted. It was corrupted. They had to focus on God and God alone. Their work was to reflect God and be an example to all the nations around. And Achan said, hmm, that gold looks just a little too good. And he took some. And the entire nation, it wasn't just Achan, the entire community suffered for that. There was death. They, they tried to take on some Canaanites, and they, they got their butts beat. And Joshua's like, Lord, I don't understand. God said, there's sin in your community. Our responsibility as Christians is to be strong and be examples for our families, to not let sin enter in with our family, to not let sin enter in to this community, to God's body. Church discipline has to take place. It's not fun, but it does. So that we as a community can honor God and get his blessing and move forward. In the workplace, right, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on. We have to be the example we have to reflect God in everything that we say and that we do all the time, every day, to receive his blessing, to receive the strength and the courage and the conviction to keep going. That's the type of work that we have to do. When Israel followed God, they were blessed. When Israel turned away from God and to themselves, it was a downhill slide. You read through Judges, and it amazes me how often it happened. Now I look at my own life. I'm like, I know better. You know better. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? Every day. Remind yourselves every day of your conviction of who your Savior is and how you need to reflect him in what you say and what you do. That's the work that we're called to do. Um, oh, well, one last thing there, that, that, that prosperity thing. When we start to experience God's blessing, it is really, really easy to start thinking that, oh, I did that. 
Yeah. It was my work. No. It was God's work through you. That's what produces the blessing. That's what we live for. That's where our strength comes from. That's where success comes from. Our ability to work comes from God. Don't forget that. It's really easy when things are going well. It happened to the Israelites over and over again. It happens to us. So, yeah, it's a little caution there. You never forget the blessings that come from God. Um, so Hebrew, <laughs> going back to Hebrew words. Love the Hebrew. Um, we'll, we'll learn another Hebrew word here, but uh, I, I want to say my appreciation for Hebrew comes from my very dear and close friend and mentor, Dr. D David Robinson. He's uh, the chairman of our elders here. We're, it's a great blessing to have him be part of our church body and, and a leader. Uh, it was through life groups that he taught me a great deal about the Bible, probably why I'm standing up here today, why I've led life groups for, for many years and taught high school kids about the Bible and, and God and, and, and all those good things was because of life groups, because of what David taught me and what we need to teach each other. So a little plug, if you're not in a life group, try one. And don't just try one. My, my first one was like, ah, this is nice, but I'm really busy and this isn't helping me that much. And the second one was a little bit better. And then my third one was with David and that stuck and that took and that changed my life. So he, he taught me about the, the, the richness of looking up ancient Hebrew words in the Bible, right? It's like, oh, if you want to know something more about this passage in the Bible, look up the, the Hebrew word for it, and then look up the ancient and, and see what the meanings are. Understand what that translation means. So, Amon. Amon, if you had one word in English to try to say what this is, it'd be a compound word, believe do, in one concept. In one concept. <laughs> Two words, one concept. So, believe do. Uh, Amon. It's translated just believe in the Bible. But it means so much more than just believe. Today, in, in politics, you know, your politicians say, I will do this. I believe this. I believe in the Bible. But I'm going to vote for a woman's right to choose an abortion. Death and life. Now, that's a really controversial thing. You guys probably hate me now. I don't know. Half of you guys, at least. I, it's, uh, that's just the way that is. Um, I believe in life. But that concept of believe, do, means you cannot separate what you believe from what you actually do. God is very clear about that. It was one word in ancient Hebrew, and it meant absolute conviction of your beliefs demonstrated through your actions. That's what believe means in the Bible. When you see Abraham believed God, it didn't just mean that he believed it was true. He believed there is a God. It meant that his actions demonstrated his absolute conviction in his belief and faith in God. And we are all blessed today from his belief. It started when God said, pick up your stuff and go to some place that I'm going to tell you about later. Would you do that? Even if you heard a voice, 
right? And you couldn't, had no idea where the voices came from. They told you, pick up and go there. And, I, and, and there, I'm not telling you where it is yet. You just start going, and I'll tell you when you get there. That took conviction, and he did it. And that was only the start. When he believed so very, very much in God, and this was, God led him, right? God demonstrated his faithfulness to Abraham, and Abraham's relationship grew in God to the point where his only son with his wife Sarah, his beloved son, he was called sacrifice, right? He had to do that to demonstrate his conviction and his belief in God through his actions, the work of his hand, so that God knew that mankind was worthy of his son, that he would save all of us by his sacrifice for us. God's redemptive work. God believes it. He demonstrated it. He died for us. We have to do the same for him. We have to demonstrate everything that we say and do, not just in the workplace, right? It's our actions and our deeds, everything we say and do. We don't separate ourselves into our work self and our church self and our family self and however many selves we have. It's all one self. Our true conviction, believe, do, I'm on. That's who we are. That's who we have to be, one person. What we say and do when nobody's looking and we're all by ourselves, God is with us always. That's who we have to be. That's who we have to be in the workplace. That's who we have to be with our families. That's who we have to be to ourselves. All of our actions, all of our deeds. So. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes have a lot to say about work. Um, and they mostly say that apart from God, it is futile, it's futile, it's futility. With God, it's tremendous blessing. Apart from God, with God. The Israelites, they turned away from God, downhill. They turned to God, redemption. Over and over again, the Bible tells us, our work, our deeds, turn to God, awesome, there's blessing, turn away from God, it's toil and it's futility. So, the, um, the one part that, that Solomon tells us at the end, Solomon, right? Richest man ever, wisest man ever, not just ever was, but ever will be. He asked God to bless him and God did with tremendous wisdom. And then he found out that with tremendous wisdom also comes tremendous sorrow. And Jesus demonstrated that too. And he tells us that then joy will accompany him in his work. Joy will accompany work all the days of the life God has given him under the sun. That's what the promise is when we follow God and we reflect God. Now, that's not to say it's easy. You, you look at the life of Joseph. He sold into slavery through no fault of his own. And he serves as a, as a slave to honor God. He gets thrown in prison, falsely accused. 
As a prisoner serving in prison, he works to honor God and he is blessed until he is raised up and he becomes second to the Pharaoh in all of Egypt and all the land, working diligently through the strife, through the sin nature that we have, through the world that we're in, is not easy. That's our part, to demonstrate through our, through our actions and our deeds, what we say and do, our belief in God. That's when it's not futile. That's when it has everlasting value. So New Testament, yeah, we just went through most of the Bible, isn't that great? Two-thirds, third of the way there. Um, the New Testament talks about, and this is great, tax collectors and soldiers, right? Jesus went in and ate with tax collectors, and they ridiculed him for that because tax collectors were despised. Why were tax collectors despised? Because they took advantage of their position for themselves. Selfish, greed, and ambition, right? They had a role. They had to collect taxes and give them to, to, to Rome. The, and they had the right to take more than what was due Rome in order to provide a living for themselves and their families. However, they abused that right by exhorting, extorting, and taking far, far more than was necessary in the taxes. So they became very wealthy. And they had to build themselves these little fortresses to protect themselves to live their little lives of secluded luxury. Is that joyful? It's like living in a prison. The entire community hates you. That's not joy. That's self, pride, and greed, and ambition, away from God. But God didn't say, don't be a tax collector. Soldiers did the same thing. They extorted the people. They were allowed to take from the people to sustain themselves, to be the soldier, to provide protection. But they went beyond that. And God didn't say, don't be a soldier. You could be a tax collector. You could be a soldier. God ate with them and communed with them, and they repented. They could still be tax collectors and soldiers, but now they had to do it in a way that reflects honor and glory to God not for themselves. Achaeus, right? That's what he did. And in his repentance, he said, I will pay back everyone that I have wronged, that I have taken too much from. I'll pay them back threefold in my repentance to God. He could still be a tax collector. And now the community will respect him for doing it in a way that is honoring in a way that is like, okay, you might have a sucky job, but you're doing it the right way. No matter what you do, it doesn't matter what your job is. You don't have to work for the church. You don't have to, 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 to do something that is just God. It has to be God-focused in what you do and how you do it, but not necessarily a theological position. 
It doesn't matter what the vocation is. It matters how you do it and what your motivation is. That's what we have to focus on. That's what I have to focus on in my workplace, in what I do every day, so that I'm not drawn down, so that I've got some joy at the end of every day. What I did, I did to the best of my ability, as detailed, as complete as I could do it. So when somebody looks at it later, they can say, wow, he, he did that really well. What is it that drives him? How is it that he comes here and does that job every day and does that well? What's different? That's the inner belief in God that gets reflected through. So Jesus then talks about parables, right? And he used work as parables. He used um, the parable of the talents, where he had three servants and, and they were each given a portion of money. And the ones that were fruitful with that gift were said, were honored, said, well done, my good and faithful servant. The one servant that did not honor God and didn't use those gifts, you wicked, lazy servant. You're, he was cast out and what he had was given to somebody else. Use your talents to God's glory. Um, the workers in the vineyard, same thing. Even the workers who were hired at the very last hour of the day were paid the same wage. God only cares about that you do your best effort in what you do. The rewards are the same. So, do work of lasting value. If anyone's work is to endure, right? If it's to have lasting value. When we appear before Jesus Christ, appear before God, he's going to look at us with those fiery eyes and it's going to burn through everything that we've ever done. And the only thing that's going to last are the things that were done that glorified God, that were done for his glory with that motivation. Things that were done out of selfishness are going to be burned away. Now, you can still enter the kingdom of heaven, right? You can still make it through, even if you only did work that was burned away. But what happens, and that's God's grace, but what happens when you enter God's kingdom with nothing? That's a terrible thing. Because you have nothing to offer back to God to honor him to say, thank you. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that I can be here. Don't enter the kingdom of God just by his grace. Go with reward. And what you do today, tomorrow, do it with the motivation of God, of reflecting his glory and who you are and what you do and what you say. Okay? That will be an eternal reward in heaven and a blessing for us today. All of us, as we build each other up, as we see each other working and reflecting God, it builds me up to see us working together. It's, it's a great thing. So when God returns, when God returns, he's going to take sin out of the world. 
There will be no more toil. We won't be working with futility. We're going to be working just like it was in the beginning for the glory of God. And it's going to be fantastic. It will be joyful. It will be satisfying. It will be a wonderful thing. And I look forward to that day. I can't even tell you how much I look forward to that day. That's going to be awesome. That's one of the things that I am excited about every morning when I wake up and I pray. I ask God for the strength to get through that day. That's what it's going to be when God returns. That's what we have to look forward to. Not working just to survive. Survivals will be given. Everything that we need will be provided for. And we're going to work to care for God's creation and to glorify him. So, is this okay? We're going to write last slide finally. I know, jeez. Keep Jesus as your center of being, right? He tells us. He loves us. It's not always easy, but when we focus on God, he will give us the strength to get us through. There's no temptation that we can't face that he doesn't provide a way out. His burden is light, and he calls us to be his reflection in this world, to be light to the earth. That's what our work should be. So I, I, I thank you guys so much for your attention and your time today. Um, but I'd like to, to close us in prayer. Almighty and glorious God, what a blessing, Lord, to, to, to be here today, to know how much you love us and you care for us, to know that you sacrificed for us your, 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 your son, that you call us to yourself, and that you give us the strength each and every day that we can reflect you, that you give us the talents to work, the ability to work in everything that we say and do. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be strong in us today and every day, and may we be sensitive to your leading and be bold in our faith to be examples to everyone through our actions and through our deeds. Thank you, Almighty God. Go with the people here this week. Bless them, be with them, encourage them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, it really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.